be talking about no trivial pursuit. And I'm not talking about the, the game or trivia challenges, but we'll go into it here a little bit more. But first, before we do, let's just pray and ask God just to prepare our hearts to receive what he wants to do. So, Lord God, we just we surrender our, our hearts to you today, Lord God. We ask that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, that you would change and transform our hearts and our minds today in only a way that you can, Lord God. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So I got a question for you. Like, when you think about it, what, what do you desire? What, what do you, like... What do you think about during a day that takes up your time thinking during a day? The American dream is the pursuit of success and prosperity. The pursuit of success. and There's a lot of people that come in from other countries for that alone. Come in from, and a lot of them risk death just to be able to come into this country, to have the freedom to be able to have that pursuit of success and prosperity, which in turn many believe, will bring happiness. But um, we often get to this thought in our mind that if I just get that job, then I'll be secure. I'll be making the wage that I think I should be making, and all my bills will be taken care of. Or if I just get that house, I'll be satisfied. It'll be, it'll be good. If I just have that third bedroom be so much better than the two bedrooms I have now or that second bathroom. That way I won't have to share that one with my kids and have to deal with all their, their nastiness. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's truth. Or if I just get that car, I'll just be happy. If I just get that new car and that new car smell, then life will be good. Have any of you guys sat and watched commercials and just laughed at times. Like, yeah. it's funny to me how you can watch, like, just the perception of what they're pushing for, for whatever it is. Like, ooh, if you just had this hamburger, you'd be so satisfied. And you just see it on their face as they take that bite of that nice, juicy hamburger. And they're just like, mmm, I'm satisfied. And it's like, oh, man, if I just had that hamburger, I would be satisfied. Or if you had that new refrigerator and you just had the the freedom of, now they've got ones that are, if I could just be able to push the button and see what's on the inside of the refrigerator without even opening the refrigerator, (laughs) then life would be so good. Like, I think you already know what's in there. Like, for us guys, how many of you do what I do? You open the fridge, you know what's in there. You open the fridge and you just stare there for like five minutes just hoping for something else to appear that you know isn't there. (laughs) But we get that, you know, if I just had that, or if I, and this is one of the funnier ones, is if I just had that laundry detergent, and everything would smell good, and life would be just flowers and and roses, just like, and you see the, the satisfaction on these people's face, it's like all the cares of the world just pass away, just... Life is good. I don't have any worries. All I have to do is enjoy this aroma of the clothes that I'm sitting in. It's great. I just saw another one. It was hilarious yesterday. It was about a car freshener. And the person first gets into the car, and he smells whatever foul smell was in there. He's like, ugh. 
And uh, and then they're like, but if you get this car freshener, and it's like he jumps in the car and it smells good, and the, both the people look at each other like, life is perfect. Fresh car smell, it's perfect, it's complete. But that is what the world tries to sell us, that if you just get this product, this device, or whatever it may be, that life will be perfect. But we know that's not true. Matthew 16, 19 through 24, or 6, 19 through 24 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if, you are, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. I think we get twisted in, in this verse in 23 where it says, uh, or in 22, the eye of the lamp, or the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And we're like, yeah, you know, don't look at bad things, you know. Obviously, if I look at bad things, bad is going in. But this whole verse is speaking to what is your desire? Like, what are you craving? Are you craving that of the world? Then your whole body will be full of darkness. Got quiet. <laughs> Philippians three seventeen through 21. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. So the title of the sermon was No Trivial Pursuit. Trivial means of little value or importance. And I can tell you that everything that this world has to offer is of little value or importance and compared with Jesus and his his desires. I'm going to tell you a little story of mine. A few years ago, uh, probably four, five years ago, because my daughter's five now, um, our family expanded to five people uh, from four to five. And so at that point, we had to search for a new car because the car that we had was no longer big enough to fit the family that we had. So I wanted to make the best decision. And so I started researching, you know, what what should I buy? What should we buy? And I knew what I did not want to buy or would ever consider buying, and that was a minivan. It's not in my vocabulary. Not in my vocabulary. Although I just said it. But I was like, I'm going to go SUV because that's cooler. It's more, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's just cooler. So I started researching all the different SUVs and 
and personally myself, I like uh, BMWs. I don't know. I just like the way they drive. And so I started researching BMW SUVs and researching, you know, which one would be the best, which one had the right amount of seats, which one got the best gas mileage, and all the different op options. So I researched and researched. And then I started, after I found just the, the model and the type and everything that I'd want, wanted, I started the, the search for the exact vehicle, you know, the, the, the one in the best shape, with the least amount of miles, for the best price. And I looked and I looked and I looked. And finally, after months, I found it. And so then I took a friend down and uh, went and purchased this vehicle. And, you know, driving home, it was like, okay, it's good. I got the vehicle. Family can fit in it. It's cool. People are going to give me so much compliments on this vehicle. It's going to be awesome. A couple months later, me and my wife, we took a trip to Leavenworth uh, in this vehicle as we were uh, driving, and we were bringing her brother and uh, sister-in-law with us. And on the way, halfway there, the car died. And actually had to have it towed to a dealership um, and find a rental car so that we could enjoy the rest of the weekend. And uh, it was an expensive fix, um, but it got fixed. And I was like, okay. And God provided. God was so good and gracious. He actually provided extra money that I didn't know was coming. He provided and paid for that repair in total. I was like, thank you, God. So I thought it was good. About a month later, it had another problem. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, I was like, okay. And God provided again, got that fixed. And uh, I was like, God's just, you know, trusting or teaching me to trust in him that he's going to provide. And uh, thought it was all good. A couple months later, another problem arose. And there's this, this guy that me and my wife sometimes watch on YouTube. And he has this character that he plays. It's like a repairman for whatever thing it is. And his, his signature line is, whenever you're needing something repaired, regardless of house, car, whatever, is like, that's a thousand. They're like, that's going to be a thousand dollars. What are you talking about? All you have to, all you had to do was change a spark plug and that's a thousand. Like, <laughs> so it was just, a, it was literally every time something came up with this vehicle, it was literally a thousand or two thousand dollars. And so it actually needed repairs, I think four or five times. We owned that vehicle for one year, and we spent almost as much in repairs as it took to, to, buy, to buy the vehicle. And each time, God was good. He was faithful. He provided. But after that, you know, I was like, oh, God, you're just teaching me to trust you. But he told me, he's like, I'm teaching you to pursue me. I took so much time in pursuing this vehicle that I thought was going to complete my life and, and the, the family transportation dilemma, and yet it was nothing but headaches. But God is faithful. He is still good, even when we make mistakes. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So through the purchase of that vehicle, my errant pursuit of it, it actually led me and my wife to the purchase of our amazing, awesome van. <laughs> Which cost thousands less 
and has required thousands less in repairs. Like, we've hardly had to do anything to it. It's been amazing. But he just had to do so with, you know, taking me through that, that time. He's like, how many times do I need to thump you on the head? Like, <laughs> this was not my doing. This was your, your pursuit of happiness. And look how it's working. See, the pursuit of God in eternal things will create true joy and peace. Or I would say it would create lasting joy and peace. Anything that we pursue in this life is temporal. The happiness or the joy that comes from it will only last a certain amount of time. 1 John 2.15 says, through 17, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Mm. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes. That is what kind of our whole society is based on. Trying to sell you the new flashy thing. Oh, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be great. And you, you see it, and the flesh craves it. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 7 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. None of the things that you see you can purchase can you take with you. So our focus should be not on the earthly things that pertain just to this life, but it should be on eternal things. So you might be saying, so I, I began my, this with a statement that the American dream is the pursuit of success and prosperity. So would you say that the pursuit of prosperity and success is bad? I mean, that's the American way. I would say, yes, it is. The pursuit, if that is your desire, if that's what your heart is set on, is to be successful and prosperous, then your heart is in the wrong place. Is it bad to be successful or prosperous? No. But if that's what your heart is set on, your heart's in the wrong place. You should let God make you successful. Let God make you prosperous. And he will do that if you set your heart on him. It might not look the success or the prosperity that it gives, that he gives, might look different than what the world deems successful or prosperous. But whatever he does give, it will give you that lasting joy and that true joy and peace. So we need to set our minds on eternal things. So what are eternal things? God's purposes are eternal. Every one of them. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. You've heard me quote the scripture before, but it says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or what shall we drive? Or where shall we live? Or what phone should I get? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
Do not worry about these things. Do not pursue these things. Pursue me, and God will bring you what you need. Do you need a job? Pursue God. Do you need a house? Seek the Lord. Do you need a car to get you to that job that you're praying for? Ask God. Pursue him. He will provide all that you need. So if you seek that which is eternal, which is God and his purpose, he will take care of the temporal things. I have a question for you. When Jesus was walking the earth, what do you think he was thinking about? Do you think he was thinking about what he was going to eat that day? What do you think his desire was? Do you think his desire was for earthly success, earthly glory, prosperity? Jesus was set on the kingdom. His eyes were set on the kingdom and people being entered into the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So the natural people was like, well, that seems weird. Like, you should want to pursue, you know, success. That's a good thing. Everywhere in America, like, the world will tell you, pursuing success and prosperity is a good thing. But for those who are um, natural, this verse says, they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are not spiritually, they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So in just in light of who Jesus has made us to be, sons and daughters, new creatures, to live differently, we're also called to think differently. We're called to think like Christ. We've been given the mind of Christ, so we should operate in his way of thinking, not in the way of thinking that the world thinks, which is, how can I make my life on this earth secure? Even, you know, how can I make my retirement the best it possibly could be? God deals in different a different currency than the world does. How can I make my life secure? You can make your life secure eternally in Christ Jesus. What's more important? 50, 60 years of security here on this earth or eternal security? See, Jesus, how many would agree with this statement that he was not of the world when he was walking on this earth? You know that Jesus actually said the same about you and me. John 17, 16 through 18 said, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Who are not of the world? Sons and daughters of Christ. He's made us a new creature. Therefore, we, should, we are no longer of this world. So he says, and sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We live here, but we're not of here anymore. We're new creatures. We're new creations. And we've been given the mind of Christ, so we should operate in that thinking. See, his desire is that people come to know him more than anything else. His desire is that his kingdom come on 
earth as it is in heaven. That's his desire. And as sons, as daughters, God has called us to bring heaven to earth. But we can't do that with an earthly mindset. He has called us to bring his kingdom in heaven to earth. But we can't do that if our mind is on earthly things, pursuing earthly things, and trying to achieve earthly success. He wants us to see the captive set free. He wants us to see people know the Jesus that we know, experience the God that we've experienced, and experience the freedom that we have in him. Experience healing, experience deliverance. Isaiah 55, 6 through 9 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So if we've been made righteous in Christ, we should forsake the thoughts that we used to think. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't think like the world. Far beyond us, infinite beyond beyond what we could even come up with. But... You're like, well, okay, if his thoughts are way higher than my thoughts and his ways are way higher than my ways, how the heck can I think like him? Well, if you spend time with him, he will train you to think like him. The more and more you pursue him and spend time with him, the more you will think like him. Just spend time in his presence. And when you do, naturally, as you spend time with him and pursue him naturally, Your former desires will become less desirable. And it will be he that you desire. And he will give you a new thought process and new desires. He will give you even a greater desire for his presence. Last week we talked about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. He will give you that desire for more and more and more. And you will crave his presence. He'll give you a desire for people, for people to be set free. He'll give you a desire for them to be healed. He'll give you a desire for them to be uh, delivered. That was his desire. That is his desire, is to see people come to know him and to be made whole in him, be made a new creature in him. His desire is that people would desire him. David wrote in Psalms 42, 1 through 2, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? It's like, when can I meet with you next, God? When can I meet with you? Psalm 63, 1 through 4 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. 
So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. What do you long for? What do you desire? What are you pursuing? Things of this life, are you longing for God and his presence? His presence is so good. His presence is so good. A good friend of mine says, though, that the greatest resistance, spiritual resistance, is against intimacy with God. Satan doesn't want you to spend time with God. Such a simple-minded thing. Spend time with God, but it's resisted because he knows how powerful the presence of God is in our life. So we have to be intentional about it. I get, personally, the most peace and fulfillment from God's presence. So I pursue it. It's the first thing I do every morning, is sit in his presence. I get the most joy seeing people experience the same. The most joy I'm seeing people's lives changed by God and setting their hearts on him. A couple Sundays ago, we had over 20-some baptisms, and it was amazing to see. I was so full of joy. Like, I could have done it all day long. There could have been 500. I was like, let's just keep going. This is good. Like, food? No, I don't need that. I'm, I'm consuming spiritual food right now. My spirit was being filled. It was so good. It was amazing. I saw some of you guys out there as well. You were like, no, nah, I don't need to eat right now. I want to watch this. This is awesome. God in Exodus Leviticus gave us a great commandment. And the great commandment was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus said, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But God wants the great commandment to be our great desire. He never wanted it to be a commandment. I got, okay, love God before everything else. That's what he told me to do. I better do that or I'm not getting into heaven. So, okay, God, I love you. No. It wasn't a commandment of obligation. He did that because he knew that once we started to, the command would become a desire. Because his presence is so good. So it should be our great desire that we want to love God above all else. And that we want to love people above anything else this world has to offer. When you pursue God and the things he wants you to pursue, you get that joy and you get that peace, which is greater than all the riches of the world. So pursuing God is no trivial pursuit. It's the most important pursuit of all. And speaking about how to think like Christ and how to have his thoughts and pursue the things that he wants us to pursue, how do we do that? It's by reading his word daily. Get it in you. Spending time with him in his presence, in prayer, in worship daily. And seek that first in that scripture Seek first the kingdom of God and all else will be added. That word first, I think I've said this before, the word first means in time and of importance. Let it be the first thing you do. Let it be the most important thing you do. 
First thing you wake up in the morning. That's why I gave you that surrender prayer last week. I encourage you to continue to do that. First thing you wake up in the morning, read it. God, I surrender. God, I surrender. And when you talk to him, spend time with him, he'll start to give you a different way of thinking, different thoughts, different, different direction, way of doing things. And when he speaks to you, sometimes the things he speaks to you will be a little bit uncomfortable. It's like, well, that's a little bit out of my comfort zone. That's okay. He'll, he'll be right there with you. But trust me, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be good. And then when he speaks to you, just surrender to what he tells you to do. Just say, okay. It might be a little uncomfortable, but once you get past the uncomfortable, you'd be like, wow, God, that was, that was next level. That was cool. So read his words, spend time with him, surrender to him. And he will change your thinking. Again, I, we read this verse the last couple of weeks. I'm going to read it again. But Philippians 1, 6 says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We don't have to change our thinking, just like we don't have to change our behavior. Our mind isn't set on that. i got to change my behavior. i got to change my behavior. i got to change the way I think. No. You pursue God. You read his word, pursue his presence, and he changes it. We just surrender to him and his process of doing it, and he will do it. So what are you pursuing? What is your pursuit? Is it trivial or not? I think the, the, uh, the hymn, the heavenly vision, probably best describes it. You guys will probably recognize this as I read the chorus of it. It says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When you truly taste and see that he is good and pursue him, seek him and his things, he will start to change your mind, your heart, and you'll see that the things of this life will we'll begin to fade. I don't have a heart for that anymore, which is good. It's all passing away anyway. But his presence and his purposes are eternal. And so we want to pursue him and let the rest of this world grow strangely dim as we pursue him. Let's stand. It all begins with a commitment to the Lord himself and letting him make you a new creation, a new creature that is identified differently, that lives differently, that thinks differently. But it starts with that commitment to him. He committed himself to you. And he's just waiting for you to commit yourself to him. He gave his life for you. And he's waiting for you to give your life for him. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ and you want to do that with every head bowed and eye closed, you want to make that decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord, to let him forgive you of your sin, let him free you of your sin and give him, give you in return his goodness, his mercy, grace and righteousness 
If you haven't done that before, or maybe you did at one point and you say, I've walked away, I've turned my eyes to the world and I've walked away from God. I want to rededicate my life to him. If that's you this morning, can you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? All starts with that commitment. God, I'm going to pursue you. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Thank you. I see that hand. So we're going to pray this prayer together. These aren't magic words, but if you believe in your heart, will you confess with your mouth? Christ comes inside and he makes you a new, a new creation. And you are a son and daughter. So let's say this together. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place. Jesus, thank you for choosing to die, to forgive me of my sins and to set me free of my sins and to identify me as a son and a daughter of Christ. So Jesus, from this day forward, because you gave your life for me, I give my life to you. I want you to be my boss. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. It's the best decision you can make. He laid his life down for you. It's time for we just give our lives to him, surrender to him, and we taste and see just how great and amazing he is. If I can just have the prayer team come on up as we go into worship. If you have any need of prayer, God says, boldly come before my throne of grace and make your request made known to me. And he says boldly because you are his son, you are his daughter, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. He says, come, let me be the need meeting God. You pursue me, you breathing these things to me.